Welcome to The Coaching Call with Trav and Jasper. This is an unedited, unfiltered look at my personal journey back to sport. Over the next four months, I have some big goals in the gravel cycling world and I want to share that journey with you. For context, I've spent the last two and a half years building my business, Inner Voice and NTSQ Sports Group, supporting my wife Lauren in her own running goals and helping raise our two-year-old daughter, Adelina. As you'll hear, I've lost touch with myself and my own athletic goals. I've fallen victim to many excuses, not having enough time, I'm too busy to train, things like that. I want to shift my own mindset and hopefully help you shift your mindset of what is possible too. Today and every week, I'm joined by Jasper Blake, who is the founding head coach of B78 Coaching. He's also a legend of Canadian triathlon and one of the wisest people in the endurance sports world. The coaching call is designed to keep me accountable during my build-up, but more importantly, it's a chance to share knowledge and interact with you, the Inner Voice community. In the future, we'll take questions, delve further into the ups and downs that come with setting goals and the build-up to big challenges. You can follow along with my progress on Strava, and if you're interested in pursuing your own goals in endurance sports, Jasper is your guide. You can find Jasper's contact details in the show notes. The coaching call is a part of the Inner Voice audio experience. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe to our channel, and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Welcome to episode four of The Coaching Call. As you'll hear, it's been quite a while since Jasper and I have had a chance to connect. But you'll also hear how technology has helped with the athlete-coach relationship compared to the good old days. We'll talk about why rest is important when you need it. We'll also cover the honeymoon period of a training plan, making deposits into the mental strength account, and Jasper regales stories of how he became a rabid dog when needed. We'll also cover the roller coaster of longer workouts and events, logistics and planning to get the most out of your available time, and I'll share my plans for Spirit Quest version 2, my tour of New England on two wheels coming up in a couple of weeks. For now, here's Jasper and Trav, and this is The Coaching Call. Jasper, welcome back. Uh, this is episode 4 of The Coaching Call. It's been quite a few weeks between drinks, so to speak, but um, excited to be able to chat. We've spent a fair bit of time catching up before the call, so hopefully we can remember what we talked about and cover it during the call as well. Great, great to be chatting with you again, Trav. And uh, as I said, you know, <laughs> this is this is life. Uh, you know, things don't always uh, pan out exactly how you're you're planning, and um, but there's no stress. I mean, the the good thing with technology these days is I'm still really on top of uh, what you're doing, and I can see it every day and. Um, so, you know, even though we haven't been in touch with a call, uh, we've been in touch basically daily, uh, just by me being able to see what you've done and the comments you've left and everything. So, um, good to be chatting with you again and, uh, yeah, no stress that we haven't connected in a while. All good. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, um, it's actually a symptom of probably, as you said, like life, um, you know, very busy and finding an additional hour or even two to catch up in a format like this isn't always easy, but you're right, you know, using training peaks and being able to put in the comments there and via email each week, um, you know, I'm able to share my thoughts and anytime there is anything that's untoward in there. So, you know, if there's a day where I'm not feeling right or I'm sick or what have you, 
um, or a particular workout that, that goes well or doesn't go well, you're able to see that. And there's been a few times where we've made those adjustments on the fly. And uh, even back to this past week on, f- I think, Thursday, I made a game time decision to change the workout. Um, I was, you know, feeling a little under the weather and a bit overwhelmed and stressed. So instead of a really hard workout, I did a, an, you know, an easier ride, but still got out there and did it. And put the comments in and then the next day I got a text from you to say hey don't you know don't worry about today if you're not feeling it and I kind of sent you a text message um because it popped up on my Garmin with a, a thumbs up saying I'm out I'm doing it and I'm feeling good so you're right technology is kind of uh everywhere you can't get away from it but um it's helpful in this in this situation yeah just a quick uh, little story to share with you I mean you might have a similar one but when I was first uh being coached from a distance by uh, somebody. I mean, most of the coaching experiences I had when I was young growing up were all in person. Um, but my first ones where I, I was away at university and my coach lived in a different town and he, he would, he would write it out on a piece of paper. That's where we, you know, that's, how, that's how far we come. He draw, you know, the calendar of the month, uh, on a, on a piece of, you know, eight and a half by 11 paper. And he would just, you know, fill in the days because back then, the, the highest degree of technology we had was a Timex Ironman watch yeah. on your wrist, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> there, there, there was barely email. In fact, uh, way back there, there wasn't even email. So maybe we would chat, you know, in the week or something on phone, but then you had to factor in long distance charges and very, we live in a very different time. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the, so, I guess the, um, yeah, that's so funny to to hear and think. And I remember back when my dad was racing, and it was the same. He, you know, he was living in the same town as the coach that he had. But uh, I remember he had these. Um, it was a photocopied printout that had the days of the month on it, and he would have his workout written out, and you know, it would just be repopulated each month. But it would live on the fridge. So, you know, as a ten year old yeah. kid growing up, you kind of see that that's uh, that was how those workouts were planned. So, yeah, it's cool yeah. to cool to think about the the progress we've experienced and um one one thing before we keep going um just to kind of a recap obviously someone or anyone who hasn't heard before this is uh you know this is a coaching call that we've decided to take or have uh, our goal was once a week but we've turned into four in the first nine weeks so that's uh we're, good, we're, we're doing okay um but uh yeah. you're the you're the coach of b78 and based in victoria and um Obviously, your background is in triathlon um, extensively over the last few years, lots of sports beforehand, but now mostly uh, in triathlon. And the triathlon season, I guess, kicked off um, this weekend in Canada, I guess. Um, And the event, the 70.3 in Victoria, was happened yesterday. So why don't you give us a little bit of an insight into how that race was and some of the athletes that you had competing and how the day was, uh, was for you? Yeah, it, it has kicked off, certainly. Uh, um, that's a big one on the island now out here in, uh, on the West Coast. And, uh, it's really grown in the last few years. Ironman took it over a few years ago. And of course, with their reach, they, they attract a lot of, uh, of people. So, you know, this used to be a, a relatively small, pretty grassroots event, um, of about 400 people, 500 people. And now, uh, I think yesterday there was upwards of 1600. Uh, on the start line and um, it's a big event for us I mean we had 20 or 30 people racing and um, because it's our hometown race you know we we try and put on a, 
uh, a lot of support for our athletes and we do lots of stuff with you know, our food and coolers and all kinds of things. And, um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, you could not have asked for a better day for a half Ironman, you know, not, not too hot, not too cold. Really the bike had very little, if any wind, um, you know, the lake was perfectly calm in the morning. Uh, so a really, really successful event yesterday, uh, all around. And, um, our athletes in particular had, had great days, you know, some, some harder days than others, but by and large, uh, very successful. Um, and it was really neat actually, because we had, uh, you know, uh, Marinda Carfrey showed up yesterday. So three time, uh, Ironman world champion, uh, that, that brought a lot of buzz to our event. Um, neat to have a name, uh, like that here. Uh, but also, you know, lots of great Canadian, uh, uh, Canadian talent. Like Wirtels were up here and always great to see them. They kind of got their start in the sport here. Uh, Taylor Reed and Cody Beals and, uh, another up and coming pro named, uh, Mikhail Star Nathan, uh, was here as well. And, um, among others, you know, lots of, I'm missing a few. Jen Annette had a great day. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, lots, lots of, uh, great talent here so awesome day awesome way to kick off uh the, you know one of the west coast uh staple races now so that's awesome um and you mentioned the you know the the work that goes into kind of making a bit of a home for the b78 athletes and the coolers and things like that and i talked about in the first episode um some of the little things that you and the coaches and the team does to support the athletes so i wanted to um, give you a, a, a thanks again for uh, the latest postcard that I received in the mail, and I'm going to read it out here. Uh, it yeah. says, "It says, Trav, big, big congrats on crushing the Mother's Day 5K World Championships. Our only hope is that Lauren kicked your ass, Jasper." Um, so, <laughs> and I that, forgot I wrote that. That one was. Uh, I definitely had a chuckle with that one for sure. That was uh, very, very well done. Um, and that's referring to the Mother's Day 5K race that we did uh, in Portland, Maine uh, on Mother's Day, obviously. Lauren definitely kicked my ass. She finished second overall. Um, nice. And uh, I, my plan was obviously, you know, building back into running. I was going to run with her dad. But uh, last minute, <laughs> he pulled out with a foot injury. So I was left with the option of uh, trying to run with Lauren, knowing that that would not be successful or... Uh, using my limited run fitness to, to go for it. So I did that and, um, limped home, but, uh, felt pretty good. And it was nice to be out there. It was going to be our daughter Adelina's first race. So she was all geared up and, um, it was held at a, uh, at a baseball stadium in Portland, Maine. So there's a AAA affiliate team, um, that's related to the Boston Red Sox there based in Portland and the mascots for that team came out and Addie got so scared that she wouldn't run. She had to be held by dad. So we ended up walking, <laughs> walking the run, the little kids race with her. Um, but she didn't want to go anywhere near the, the mascots. So it was a fun day all around. That was good. Uh, it was a good, good event. That's for sure. Oh, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that. And, uh, of course, we're, we, we, we do pay attention to that. Uh, uh, most of our athletes have uh, significant others and partners that are, um, you know, either part of their journey or have their own journey. So, uh, I, I like, uh, <laughs> I just like, I just like, uh, taking the piss out of you, buddy. Yeah, that's okay. Life. I appreciate that. Oh. <laughs> I pro it's probably more effective than a pat on the back to me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a bit of shit. I'll be happy with that. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, so I guess like it's been a few weeks since we have chatted, and I think on the last call we recognized how tired I was, and it, you know you could recognize it in my voice. And um, I just <laughs> I decided after our call that um, I was going to take a nap instead of going on the run that we planned, and. Uh, I think I ended up napping for a couple of hours and then uh, took another couple of days of recovery. But since then, it's really been kind of all systems go. As as uh, as we talked about earlier, there's been a couple of days where schedules haven't allowed the workout, but you um, noticed the consistency that uh, has kind of shown up over the last few weeks. Um, yeah, so any comments from you on kind of, you know, the last, I guess it's been four or five weeks since our, our last call? Yeah, no, I, I, you bring up a great point. Um, and I think this is a trap people fall into, uh, you know, after a last call. And instead, of, you, you could hear the fatigue in your voice. You could feel it in your body. And you chose, um, you know, a nap over, over that workout. And, you know, we might be even able to pinpoint that as a real turning point for the last few weeks that have been so consistent. Um, I think it's a trap people fall into. They feel like they have to check every box every time. And as you know, in training peaks, the, the, the blocks turn green or red, depending on whether you have completion. And I think some of our brains really like it when it's all green and, and sometimes do things just for the sake of that, rather than actually, you know, making a calculated assessment and, and, and taking a break. And I've always argued that um, I think it sometimes takes more courage to back off a little bit and have that nap than it does to uh, just kind of keep hammering yourself against the wall. Um, you know, I, it, it takes courage to do that because it's, it's stepping away from the norm and, and we're so used to sort of being epic and being like, you know, checking every box that if you make the decision to dial back, um, that can feel like a weakness when in actual, actual fact, a lot of times it, it shows great strength to yeah. be able to do. Yeah. Um, and that might've been a little turning point for you. It's, it's hard to say exactly, but let's say you had sort of, you know, got yourself going and did that run. Um, you know, maybe you would have had the last few weeks of very inconsistent training because you never allowed yourself space to recover enough to, to get real work done. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that's the only comments I would make about that. I think, uh, you're, you, that was a great decision to make and it, it has shown in the last few weeks because you've been so consistent. It was clearly, you know, you listening to your body and having, um, the courage to kind of just dial back a little bit really, really helped. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right and um you know, I think it it came at a time where I was just finished a race and then pretty much jumped on a plane and you know, traveled for a couple of days and I think it was at a you know, we talked about it in the last call we don't have to re recover it, but yeah, it was it was right at the time where there was a lot happening. So, um, you know, in hindsight it was fantastic to be able to just take that time and and as you say, have kind of bounced back a little bit and had some consistency and I think that brings up my next point just around like the honeymoon phase of a of a new training plan or a, or a program and um you know we had had um that call occurred uh about one month or say four and a half weeks into the training plan and at that point everything's super exciting and you know every workout's a a big deal and you get through one and particularly with me like starting running again and getting back in the pool there was a lot of um exciting things that were happening and new and I was feeling, you know, fresh and excited and, and what have you. But um, over time, really, the reality is that it your training plan shouldn't necessarily be that exciting. It, sh- it turns out that the, the best work is the consistent work. And, you know, 
if anyone had access to the training peaks or they can follow along on Strava where I put all of the workouts and I kind of give the breakdown of the workouts that I, that I do, you'll see that a lot of times it's the, it's the same or a similar workout week after week with maybe some, a small amount of progression, um, whether it's in reps or whether it's in duration or what have you. Um, but it's not these massive life altering workouts week after week. It's the consistency that builds over time to the point where, you know, nine weeks in, um, last week was a 17 hour training week and I'm sitting here today feeling, you know, feeling fairly fit and feeling ready to go. I'm not, you know, completely exhausted. Um, but I've really noticed a change over the nine weeks from when I first started. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you hit on so many important things. Um, the first is that, yeah, training programs do not need to be, uh, this exciting carnival every time. In fact, they're not. Um, I think some of the best ones are, uh, I don't want to use the word boring because that makes them seem sort of unengaging uh but they're just consistent you know uh the the best way to success is to consistently uh kind of engage every week um the sessions don't need to be epic um they need to be progressive the weeks need to be progressive so that your body has time to uh you know adapt from the uh, the training load um but they certainly don't need to be uh this grand sort of huge exciting thing every time and really they're not um and at the highest level they're not either Uh, at the highest level these are just athletes that have spent many years building up a tolerance for training load um so maybe they can handle more um but i can guarantee you that their week-to-week schedule uh you'd be surprised at how uncomplicated it is uh and and how consistently they just go back to very similar work um and the the real uh you know the the thing you need to develop is the ability to really engage in that work uh on a weekly and daily basis even though it might not be super exciting every time and those are the people that i i think really excel and become champions are the ones that are able to just routinely come back to very similar work and engage 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 um and and that that's how you get better pretty simple yeah, uh, I like the way you put that. It's an engage, like engaging each day. And I think that, you know, I don't want to be blase about the fact that, you know, 17 hours is still a lot of time to be training given, um, you know, and then adding on travel time to and from and um, all of those things. So it's not, you know, I don't want it to sound like, you know, it's easy or uh, I also don't want to sound like, um, how do I say this? So, you know, people who are starting out and maybe they're only doing, you know, four to six hours or 30 minutes a day or whatever it is, like, don't discount what you're doing. Um, you know, I have a, a pretty good background, not recently, but over time of, of putting in some significant training loads. So it's not, it's all relative, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I don't want to discount that. And then the other, the other question I have, and, um, this might be a bit of a story I'm telling myself, but there's uh, there's certain work there's a certain workout in here that I see every week, the VO2 max, which is the seated effort um, climbing on the bike. And I've noticed just by looking back that there's been a couple of times where that one has been the one that's kind of brought me unstuck, whether it's you know mentally or you know I seem to have a bit of a block <laughs> with that workout. It's really hard. Um, mm-hmm. Is there like 
what's your advice on things like that where, you know, it seems to me that it's, you know, it's a tough one. I don't necessarily look forward to that one. It's not like I avoid mm-hmm. it, but it's not my favorite. Like, what would be your advice for me going into this week, knowing that, you know, this is coming up on Wednesday, that same workout? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your advice for, for workouts like that that might scare you, that might not be suited to your strengths, might not make you feel good in the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, there's a, maybe a few different answers. I think it depends on the the, the type of personality. Um, but you're right. There are going to be workouts in the week that do, uh, I don't want to say scary a little bit, but you know, you know what's coming and what's coming is not, not comfortable. They're kind of ugly workouts. They're ones that uh, are hard. Um, and you know, that, that one I'm giving you every week is certainly that it's, it's something where your body's going to be in a, you know, pretty significant amount of discomfort. So I think it's uh, a big part of it is just flipping, um, in your own head, uh, how you perceive those workouts. So, you know, if you're dreading them or if they're, they become sort of a negative thing, then yeah, you're going to have some reservation towards them but if you look at those as the ones that are ultimately going to probably make you the most uh fit um or at least add to your fitness in a very very significant way um that's huge yeah um you know the other thing i i always say to people is don't look at that workout in its entirety so i think this week i've given you six by four minutes um and that's a very aggressive amount of time spent at that effort like in fact we're sort of creeping towards the, the, the most amount of work duration that I'm going to give you at that um, intensity. Um, so don't look at it as six by four minutes. Look at it as just, you could just do one rep at a time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, our brains have an easier time focusing on smaller chunks. Um, if I look at that thing, I'm like, you know, that would be like doing, you know, six times 1200 on the track or something like it would be, it would be like an, a pretty awful workout. Um, but if you, you can focus on one of those at a time, you can focus on one lap of the track at a time. And in this case, you can focus on one minute at a time. Yeah. Um, and it, so that, that's, that's one strategy. You know, the other is just to convince yourself that you look forward to them because they're the ones that are really going to make you better. Um, the third thing I'll say, and this is pr- probably or maybe a little less obvious, is that I'm a firm believer that we have a much easier time dealing with that kind of workout and that kind of stress if we're rested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have a lot of mental fatigue going into that workout, mental and physical fatigue, uh, that workout is going to be a lot harder to manage mentally. Um, I think mental toughness in our, uh, is basically just your ability to cope with something. Um, and that's a workout where you, your coping mechanism has to be high. And if you're tired and fatigued or stressed, then it's going to be harder for you to be mentally tough in that workout because mm-hmm. you're, you know, I think the more rested you are, uh, the easier that'll be to handle. So, you know, that's another thing to consider. You know, tomorrow is not a particularly hard day. Um, you've got the day off. Uh, so hopefully we're creating enough space for you to be ready for that workout on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Another thing I'll say too, I, at the risk of being super wordy here is the timing of that workout. So, you know, I, I wouldn't leave that workout as to the last thing in the day when you're tired, if it's possible yeah. in your life. 
you know, if it's possible, do that one first, get up, have your coffee, get out the door and get it done. Yeah. Um, otherwise it'll hang, hang over your head for the entire day and five o'clock will roll around. You'll be tired and maybe a bit hungry and then it's harder to do that session. Yeah. That's a really good point. And that was actually, um, traditionally during the week, my rides are the ones I do later in the day on the weekend. Obviously it's different, but, um, yeah, just based on the kind of the family schedule, uh, usually it, it works out that I would do that ride kind of the end of the day and, and then go into family mm-hmm. time. But, um, that's a really good point because, yeah, you're right. You know, you've got a full day of, of work stress. You've got, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't eat enough. Maybe you did eat too much. Maybe whatever it is, you're kind of generally a bit more tired towards the end of the day. Um, so maybe I'll change the tactic this week and see if there's a, a, a change and do it, you know, first thing. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I guess, you know, timing and being diligent on thinking about when those really hard workouts need to need to happen. The other thing that I was thinking of when you were talking was, um, really just using those, you know, that mental toughness aspect that you would get from workouts like that, knowing that there's going to be hard times in an, in a race, no matter the distance of the race, you're going to have to kind of dig into some reserves that, you know, that may not have been there if you haven't done those type of sessions. So kind of, you know, looking back on some of the hard, and this is, you know, in the moment, like finding a bit of uh, grit to be able to get through it, knowing that it's going to serve you in the future. But then, um, you know, before a race, going back and kind of looking at some of those workouts where you did have to dig a little bit deeper um, and using that as fuel uh, going into an event and, you know, in fact, during the event as well, you know, remembering back to those times where you, you may have felt like this before and, and you got through it and you survived. Oh, yeah, man, that, that's, that's so powerful. Um, really, I, I, I like to think of that as you're, you're building up your mental bank account and then when you race, you can kind of start cashing money out. Yeah. <laughs> but you can, you can only cash that out if you, if you put it into the bank account, you know, earlier. And you're so right, you know, the, one of the best ways to become mentally tough is to actually get through your, through, you know, workouts that require mental toughness. It's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on Wednesday, if you make it through that workout, I shouldn't say if, when you make it through that workout, uh, um, you know, you will have trained that mental muscle a little bit. So just as you said, when you're, you know, mid race and there's a surge in the effort or you're climbing a hill, um, you can check in with the fact that you've been here before and, and you can do it. Yeah. Uh, it's a real booster. The other thing I'll say, I just, I, I don't want to forget to say it, but in the event that it's impossible for you to do that workout as the first thing you do in the day, which for a lot of people, that might be the case. Like maybe I've also got to swim on that day and maybe the only time you can hit the pool is the morning. So, you know, that, that workout has to happen in the afternoon. Uh, one of the most effective uh, little strategies you can incorporate uh, is instead of rolling, you know, off of your work stress desk or whatever it is into that workout, find five or 10 minutes. Like that's all you need five or 10 minutes where you go totally sensory deprived. So find a dark, quiet room by yourself, lie on your back and close your eyes for five or 10 minutes. Um, and just, you know, focus in on your breath and kind of clear your mind. And I found just even that tiny little hit of um, almost de-stressing your brain can really help you manage that workout mentally. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. 
I'm going to, I'll definitely try that. Um, and I, I wonder, like, is that, um, just thinking about kind of relating that even to a, a race or even during the workout, like obviously a big part of it is staying engaged in workouts like that or in races, but is there anything that you've found that has worked where it's, you know, it's not a sensory deprivation, but maybe it's a way to kind of remove the stress or change your mind or change the way you're thinking about something even in the moment? Have you kind of had any success with, with things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So you mean like if you're in a doing the workout and you're starting to get negative about it, how do you switch yeah, your mindset? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of yeah, I think uh, mental cues are really important. So you you, ha- you have to, like anything, it's like a muscle, you have to train it. So you have to train your ability to, first of all, be aware that maybe mentally you're going down a negative path, you know? So you have to, that's the first step is like, is just the, the awareness of what's going on in your head. Um, and then once you have that awareness, you now have the power to actually change what's going on in your head. Um, you know, I... I a big one for me was uh, I like to get aggressive with it. So if there was a hard set, I, I always felt like I had a couple of, of choices or responses to that workout. One was that I was like sort of like the submissive dog that would kind of be shy and kind of curl away from that workout. And the other was like the really aggressive dog that went after it. So if I look at the workout, if I put myself in the mindset that I was like, almost a bit kind of crazy um and i would just dive into it and sort of like in a almost i don't know is it sadistic or masochistic which is the one where you where you're like willing to throw yourself at anything and go for it i don't want to use the wrong terminology but i would basically like just fully commit to the fact that this was going to hurt and i didn't care Mm. um and so that's maybe one analogy uh, the other, which is actually very useful as well, and maybe not as weird, um, is is just the idea of checking in with uh, um, process-oriented things to keep you present. So yeah. in this case, maybe we think of a few things in your pedal stroke that you can focus on in that moment so that you're not as focused on the discomfort side of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like a... those, those, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um you know, I um it's funny hearing you talk yeah. about being aggressive because you're probably the the least aggressive person that I know so it's funny to think about you <laughs> as this crazy dog um so I'll, I'm gonna yeah. keep that picture in my head when things aren't good I'm just gonna picture you as just this rabid dog um <laughs> well it, 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 it is interesting because I I am I am not an aggressive person by nature but when it was time to do hard work I could get very aggressive and that didn't mean I was like yelling at my teammates or you know, I, I wasn't like that. I was just aggressive with myself. Yeah. Like I would, I, I, I would, um, I, I just would fully commit to that, that state of being for that amount of time. Um, and I play mental tricks too. I made it more than it was. I'd be like, you know, this is like, uh, I don't know. I, I made it more important than it actually is, yeah. which also helped because I was then willing to do more for it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I think, um, yeah, I've got some really good kind of points there, and I think hopefully that that adds value to the to listener to think about, you know, if there's hard things that come your way, whether it's a workout or a race or what have you, that there's some cues in there. And just on that last point, I um, 
when I used to coach uh, the spin classes at Method um, back in Vancouver, I would often talk about um, three things that you can control and one being your technique um, and the other two being your uh, your breathing and then your attitude. So they're the three things that, you know, if things are getting difficult, then, you know, you can think about either of those three things. Um, yeah. And, and that hopefully will at least, you know, help you get through that moment, but uh, is obviously helping um with your efficiency and, and all of those kind of things as well. So, yeah. And I, the thing I love about those is they're all process oriented. They're all, yeah. they're all, they're all in the moment process things. And, and that's really what's going to get you through it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Speaking about getting through. So yesterday we had a, a long ride. So it was a, you know, it was a five hour ride, um, you know, three and a half hours in the middle there with, you know, pretty consistent, steady effort. Um, and, Man, was it a microcosm of like life and a race <laughs> because there's times in there where, uh, I felt incredible. Um, and then five minutes later, you're like, how am I going to get to the next street corner, let alone get through the next couple of hours? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it comes back and you just kind of go through this roller coaster, um, of kind of feelings throughout the day. Um, and obviously those longer workouts are designed to build tolerance and get you ready for, um, you know, longer time in the saddle and all of those kind of things and your fueling and, and all of that stuff. But, um, getting through that five hours, uh, and then thinking, holy crap, I potentially have another five hours to ride, uh, in this race in Steamboat. It's, uh, it's interesting how you, you, you can, uh, yeah, kind of psych yourself out a little bit, but also, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a big part of progression towards these longer, endurance events uh, absolutely i mean you know time in the saddle like that is so valuable uh you know, cycling is unique in that it's a no impact sport so you really can spend lots of time in the saddle without too much risk um but the mental side of it is is so crucial um i always found you know early on in the training cycle you know a five-hour ride felt so long but then eventually it doesn't seem as long anymore. And, and to me, that's the mental side of it. It's sort of, uh, you're, you're mentally training yourself to be able to handle and tolerate that amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I, and I, to be honest, I'm, I'm thankful that yesterday was a bit of a roller coaster for you. Um, I, that's important. It's important for you to experience some highs and lows on those long rides and ultimately just keep committing to keep riding your bike. Um, you know, if it, if it was a cakewalk every time and then you show up at a race and there's some roller coaster moments, then, you know, maybe you're not going to handle them as well. But now you can, as I said before, you put that in your mental bank account and, uh, you know, that on, you know, some of the longer days you have coming up in the heat of the moment, you've been there mm-hmm. and you've dealt with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is, um, I read a I read an interesting article. Um, I think it was on Friday, maybe Saturday night. I was just kind of doing some research, and I read this article about um, you know long rides and long endurance events and the things that you're going to go through. Um, and I wonder how much of that actually translated to me thinking about those things in those moments. So the the article talked about um, you know if everything's going to be sore at some point, and you're you know you're not going to be happy at other moments, and you're going to be super joyous at others, and uh, neither of them, are, neither of them are going to last too long. So I wonder, um, and this might be just me personally, but I feel like that might have played some part into just being a bit more aware of those feelings rather than just kind of being 
in the moment and just ride riding your bike. Um, yeah, isn't that thing? Like, if you hadn't read the article, you wouldn't have had as many ups and downs. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about <laughs> oh the fact my you know my hands hurt and now my feet hurt and then your butt hurts and your shoulders are a bit sore and then your neck hurts a bit much and oh man, is that a headache coming on or when was the last time I had a drink? So I feel like it's sometimes a bit of a trap to you know think about things too much um rather than just going out and executing on on the uh on the workout or the or the race oh for sure man like it, we're our own worst enemies sometimes <laughs> you know yeah yeah I- ig- ignorance is bliss totally just just f and rod is probably <laughs> yeah seriously just, just go just get it done. yeah just get it done. you know it doesn't uh need to be uh hyper analyzed over the time over time but i would say your experience is fairly typical um you know you read an article that basically told you how you were going to feel and yeah. then you felt yeah. bad felt like <laughs> yeah and the good and the bad like i, I definitely it definitely wasn't all negative there was some really great moments and i felt um you know super strong on the hills and i felt like i you know was able to keep the effort under control and my pedal stroke and we talked about it i think first or second week where there was this tolerance build up you know i'd ridden for this was the fourth day in a row that i'd ridden so i felt like i was pedaling smoothly and then there was this tolerance build up and all of those things that we talked about so definitely wasn't all bad um it was probably more so the thing that i noted in training peaks was um by the time i got to four and a half hours so ready to start the the cool down from the work um i was kind of back in town so that 30 minutes seemed like it dragged on forever because there's traffic and there's traffic lights and there's stopping and starting um whereas the previous you know four hours had been out in the countryside so it's you know you're out there not having to worry about some of those more logistical things so i think that probably played a bit more of a part of the 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 end feeling that i had from the workout just being like oh, a bit drained i think mm-hmm yeah, for sure. And by that point, your, uh, you know, your, um, patience is probably worn a bit thin if you're tired. Yeah. So the last 30 minutes with cars and traffic would probably get a bit annoying, yeah. but, but the good thing is the last 30 minutes was easier anyway. So totally. Well, yeah. And I yeah. think we talked about it, you know, early on as well, where you kind of get to your, you get through the work and then you, you press the lap button for your, for your cool down. And all of a sudden you feel like you can't really go any further. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> knowing that you're you, you definitely can but it's uh it's this kind of switching off moment i guess um once you once the work is technically done yeah yeah i and it, that's just a great reminder of how powerful the mental side of things is for us i i find that interesting the gym like if you have to do 12 reps of something that 12th rep will be really hard yeah but if you have you had to do eight reps of something of the same thing that eighth rep would have been really hard (laughs) that's so interesting and like it's a good probably a good segue to talk about some of the strength work because uh i have really enjoyed that but um you're so right it's like the the last rep of anything is like oh i don't know if i could do it but as you have said before like if i had have put 12 in there you would have done 12 or 15 in there it would have done 15 and it would have been no problem so it's yeah, it's really mm-hmm. interesting how we can kind of put ourselves. Well, it's uh, well going back to another thought is like you know those you see that all the time where there's these um, you know these workouts or personal trainers who are like you know you, okay do give me eight or do eight reps and then all of a sudden like okay two more and you know yeah. two more two more and like you can just you know the, it, you can keep going you find a way to keep going um, yeah 
So, you know, in a, in a race, you don't have someone over your shoulder telling you that. So, you know, what are those things you need to think about in the race to know, okay, give me two more or give me, you know, another five minutes or another 10 minutes or what have you to keep yourself, um, from completely giving up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like psychology is so fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Um, and yeah, just touching on the gym. So, you know, I've, I mentioned to you that I've really enjoyed the, the strength work, um, I noted um, to you that it's, you know, I feel stronger and more stable. I feel more balanced. Um, you know, I feel like I'm uh, I'm able to run a lot better. There's been some kind of knee issues that we've been dealing with that haven't caused me to stop. You know, I haven't missed any workouts, but there's been some ITB kind of pain uh, issues. But now it's starting to feel like it's um, going away. And I think a lot of that has to do with the gym work and the strength work. And I mentioned to you, like, even the ability to, squat down and pick up my daughter in one arm and stand up without wobbling all over the place uh, is also a good result from, from doing this work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always long been an advocate of, of strength and gym work and not everybody is. I, and you know, there's other ways to go about it as well, but I think it's a really valuable place to spend time. If you have the time, I mean, a lot of times in, uh, multi-sports or I, you know, cycling's your focus right now, but you know, triathlon or whatever, you know, there's just, there's only so many hours in the week that people have. So sometimes it's challenging to fit this piece of the puzzle in. Um, but I, I think if you can, it's so valuable and it just does so many great things. I mean, you've, you've hit on them. Uh, injury prevention is one. So you're moving your body in different ways than you would in swim, bike, run, or just on the bike. Um, recruitment is another. So, uh, you're lifting, uh, heavier, more explosive, uh, you know, loads than you would be on your bike, your bike, there's loading, but it's, it's actually quite light in the grand scheme of things. I mean, if you ride for five hours, the loading is actually pretty light. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, it teaches your body to recruit more of the, uh, musculature that you actually have, um, balances you out, makes you all around just stronger. Um, so there's so many, uh, positive things, uh, to being in the gym, uh, from my perspective. Um, so I'm glad you're noticing that and, uh, and feeling that. And the other part, I mean, it changes body composition is a big part of it. Um, and brain chemistry, you know, it weightlifting, uh, gym work is, is very high intensity. We don't think of it as high intensity because as endurance athletes, we think of high intensity as, you know, the, the hour of, uh, threshold work that you did the other day or whatever. Um, but, but that, that is high intensity, but this is really high intensity. This is like purely anaerobic. Most of this stuff, you know, you, um, you use aerobic pathways to recover, but the, the act itself, uh, doesn't really require oxygen. So, I mean, that's as intense as you get. So, um, I, I think there's a lot of really good things for, you know, body composition, brain chemistry, strength in general, injury prevention, balancing your body out. There's just so many great, uh, uh, things about it so yeah that's good yeah and you touched on it like having the time and i think you know the excuse of a lot of endurance athletes is busy and you know that i used to be the same way the first thing that would kind of come off the schedule would be would be that work and i really committed to it this time around to um to want to do it to see the benefits for myself and um yeah it's definitely something i've really enjoyed um i found a good little gym down uh close to here and the see the same faces at the same time and uh give everyone yep. a bit of a nod of recognition the old timers down at the ymca so shout out to those guys um 
<laughs> but yeah, it's been uh, it's definitely been good. Um, the other well, one thing I wanted to talk about was logistics. Um, you know, I got through last week, but it was uh, it was a bit of a shit show. Um, to be honest, I feel like I'm usually a pretty organised person, um, and it, I, anything that could go wrong last week went wrong. So, uh, forgot my goggles one day, so I had to push the swim. Forgot my shoes at the gym one day. Uh, one, yeah. of the, one of the days my Garmin wasn't charged, so I charged it overnight and then realized that I didn't actually charge it, so I had to put it on charge for 30 minutes before I left, so I left late. So it was just this, like, logistical nightmare last week, just little things that went wrong. But, um, yeah, you just make it through. And uh, I think that's a big, big part of it is, like, the planning before. Um, last week didn't do a great job of planning, but, um, you know, something to, to get better at this week. But, uh, yeah, it was just a bit of a... Bit of a side note from last week. There was uh, plenty of things that that didn't go right. Mm-hmm. And again, fairly typical. I, I, everybody would have a similar day like that or a similar week like that. Um, you know, I think if you have family and work and busy life, you really do have to make a commitment to being organized for everything. So, you know, laying your stuff out the night before rather than scrambling. You know, if you have an hour to do the workout. Um, you better make sure that you can really maximize that hour rather than spending half an hour trying to get your gear together. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that can be as simple as just laying your gear out the night before. I've actually found that a big motivator for me. Uh, like a, a, one of the barriers, I think, to actually doing the workout itself is if there's too much resistance in the moment of trying to get out the door. Um, usually, if, you know, if you have to go for a run, it can seem hard, but as soon as you get those first couple of run steps in, you actually, the momentum kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. Um, but if you have lots of uh, resistance or barriers to you actually getting out the door, so one might be finding your garment, one might be, where are my shoes? Um, if there's enough of those, eventually you just won't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it, yeah, very typical. And, you know, I, it, I'm also a big believer in the whole life lesson stuff. You know, every time you have something like that, uh, there's an opportunity for you to see how you handle a little bit of adversity as a human being. It mm-hmm. has nothing nothing to do with training. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a good point. I think, um, yeah, you're right. And I wonder, like, um, yeah, I think I wonder how that tra- changes over time too. Like, let's say, you know, week one of a training plan and all of a sudden, you know, you don't have your goggles at the pool um you know is that enough to put you on your on your butt for a couple of days whereas you know now I'm 9 weeks in feeling better body composition has changed look better you know feeling more positive about things uh and all of a sudden you, you know I can think quick and go okay what can I what can I do now I'm I'm here like what can I do or right, I'll you know I'll do the gym workout now and then swim later or what have you like you can adapt in the moment um I wonder how much that changes over time I think it changes a lot. I, I think uh, as you progress through a training program and get fitter and the commitment to it really becomes established in your daily life, uh, it's, it's easier to maneuver around those things. I think early on when you're, you know, a lot of people will struggle to maintain the momentum in the early phases of a training program. Um, and, and subconsciously, we will look for ways out. Um, and those are ways out of the workout, you know, mm. they're easy excuses. Um, but I think as you get deeper into it and more committed and you've, you've spent more time building up that commitment, you, you don't want to miss, you know, you're really, you're committed and you're in the groove, you're in the rhythm. 
So you'll find ways to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's so true of anything. You can find your way uh, in or out of any situation if you really want to. Um, you know, you could show up at the pool, no goggles. This is your only time window. And you could be like, well, what if my goggles get knocked off in the swim? Maybe I'll do this <laughs> one without goggles. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, uh, you know, it'd be awful. Your eyes would sting like crazy after. You wouldn't be able to see anything. But, you know, you got the workout done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I think there's, you know, that that people get that hardcore. They they always try and find a way to make it happen rather than a way that it can't happen. Yeah. Um well, I wouldn't be surprised now uh after you've added socks to some of my swims that maybe now you're going to yeah. say no goggles for some of these swims. Yeah. Is that something that yeah. I could expect coming up? <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe I will. I wasn't thinking of doing that, but and maybe maybe I'll make you gotta I don't know carry your bike on a bike workout and run in your bike shoes. Yeah, perfect. Oh, I won't do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, I I think you're right. I think there's you know, and you know, I don't necessarily agree with the like you know going hardcore every single time, but I think I understand the point of being you know you want to find a way to make it happen rather than find an excuse for it to not happen. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we can always find both. Yeah. Um, we really can. I mean, you could find a reason tomorrow to not do one of those workouts if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but you can also find a way for it to happen. And it, it sounds like a really obvious kind of dumb statement, but it, this is the truth. And I, I think, that you're in a position now where you've been so consistent and this pattern is so ingrained and this habit is so ingrained that the chances of you finding ways to make it work are higher than the chances of you finding ways to not make it work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Um, and I think like thinking about that for someone who's just starting out, like what are those kind of pitfalls or like signs that they can look for or just ways to help them, you know, maybe get started or just find that consistency or find that momentum when things aren't necessarily uh, in a rhythm or in a groove or in a place where you, you know, you're super motivated and hungry every day to get up and, and do the workouts. Like, what would you say to someone who might be struggling a little bit? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think there's a, any number of things. One of the most obvious ones, I think, is to be accountable to other people initially. So if you really are just starting and you're highly unmotivated, um, if you make a plan to actually meet somebody for that workout, the chances of you being there are much higher than if you don't. Um, so whether it's to meet a master swim group or to meet a run group or, you know, even the act, I think, of going to the gym where there's other people is probably an easier path to take than if you had your own home gym. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a home gym, ah, the phone rings, ah, I check my computer, ah, whatever. But if you go to the gym, now you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who are actually doing a workout. Um, and there's, there's an inertia there, like it pulls you along. Um, so that would be one of them. Uh, another strategy is to always keep the end goal in mind. Um, so always keep the target in mind. So maybe that's as simple as just jotting down what that end goal is. And for you, it's a very clear, uh, big effort you're going to do on August 18th. And so in those moments where you're lacking a little bit of motivation, like 
just remind yourself or write it out on a piece of paper. Like by August 18th, I have to be ready to ride 141 miles Mm -hmm. and have 9,000 feet of climbing. So I better get my ass to the, wherever I need to get my ass to. Um, so I think that's also helpful. Like I, I'm not a big believer in just focusing on the outcome in its entirety. Like you have to bring it back to what you need to do now, but that can be motivating. And especially if it's a goal that scares you a little bit and you signed up for it and paid your money and you're really committed. Um, so that's, you know, accountable to other people, accountable to that. I think one great thing that technology has offered us is another level of accountability. Uh, so, you know, in the old days when you get your, you know, your dad had his paper thing up on the fridge, there was no really easy way to know whether he did that unless he told you. Yeah. Um, but now with your, you know, with training peaks in your Garmin, um, you know, you're going to get a little green box if you do it. It's, it's like a little mental thing that you almost become addicted to that process right Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just another level of accountability so lots of different ways to go about it and then some people i think you know they just they go do it anyway um you know maybe they don't need all those other things so yeah yeah totally and i think um what you said about their like meeting and training with other people and kind of being um being accountable to other people one question i have is obviously you know the work i'm doing and potentially the work other people are doing is very specific to what they need in that moment so sometimes you know going and working out or joining a group ride or a group run or what have you could actually be counterintuitive or counterproductive to their to their training plan um and one thing that i you know i'm cognizant of is um, you know, I do all my training on my own, which I actually really enjoy. I feel like it gives me a chance to just kind of be in my own head and, um, you know, do my own effort and, and things like that. But what would be the advice for someone who feels like they might need some accountability? They need to be around other people. They need to train with other people, but they also have specific work they need to get done uh, in those workouts. Like how do you navigate things like that? Yeah, so – uh, maybe a couple different things to say about that. Um, it's important to remember in workouts that one of the main goals is just energy systems. Uh, like I focus on energy systems. So for example, uh, let's say there was a group that you could meet during the week that maybe wasn't going to do the exact workout that I would program, but you're still going to hit the same energy system we needed to hit. Um, and we know that you're the type of person that um, really functions well in a group and and you know you're you're self-motivated and you're doing most on your own so this maybe doesn't apply to you as much um but let's say you were a person that was like hey on these hard ones like i'm just gonna have a way easier time with a group well then go to the group and Mm -hmm. see what they do and you know maybe you go to that group and you know and cycling for example if they're gonna do a hard workout they're probably gonna do uh pill reps or something that allows Mm -hmm. them to do a hard workout and so you know, if they do like, you know, seven by three minutes and you had scheduled like six by four minutes, it's all kind of the same thing. It's not exactly the same, but it's more or less the same. So you can take some comfort in knowing that you hit the right energy systems. And so you can check that box. Um, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I It yeah. does. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's where some of that flexibility um, and communication with your coach comes in as well. So, you know, going there and yeah. knowing that, 
you know, I'm not going to do exactly six by four, but I'm going to be doing something that's similar. Um, and mm-hmm. also, you know, letting you know, Hey, like, here's the workout that we did. And, um, you know, hopefully that's okay. Or here's the workout that's planned. Can we adapt to that? Things like that. So I think there's, you know, it's flexibility and communication at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and knowing that, uh, you know, there's multiple ways to apply a very similar training stress, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, I write this up in a certain way because I can, we can follow a very deliberate progression based on what I want you to do because you're doing it on your own. Yeah. Um, and, but if you suddenly said to me, Hey, I'd rather go to this group ride, I would say to you, great, go to the group ride and then let me see your, your file and let's see what kind of work. Well, let's see what kind of workout that was. And if it looked like you were getting a similar training stress, I'd, I'd be like, thumbs up, go for it. But if it, if it looked like it was just an hour super easy spin that really had no training stress, then I might encourage you that, or maybe we, we restructure your week a bit because you really like the social component of that and it's yeah. keeping you happy. Um, or I would say, look, we're missing this part in the week now, so we have to find another place to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Does that answer your question? Totally. I forget what the question was. Yeah, me too. It was probably a good one at the time, but it's. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, no, it does answer, and I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it also kind of brings up a little point to me. Like sometimes just getting so stuck on like I need to execute perfectly each and every time, um, mm-hmm. you know, works for some people, but may not work for others. So having that ability to you know, color outside of the lines a little bit, um, as long as it's not on a completely different page, probably helps um, some people, you know, get through it as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. We get way too hung up on that idea of perfection. And I, I, as much as I love, I just mentioned that I love one aspect of technology. That's one of the aspects I find challenging with it is that there's less organic nature to what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, there, we used to, you know, if, if you, if you did a track workout or if you went for like a run workout with a group, um, there was more variability in what you were going to do because maybe in the moment you decided to respond to someone who was going a little bit faster, or maybe you went to a different park and did the workout where there was some little inclines and declines. So the workout looked a little different. Was it any less valuable? Well, no, it was probably more valuable. Um, there was a, a more organic nature to it that's probably more applicable to what a running race is actually going to give you. Um, whereas, you know, if you go to the track by yourself and it's 10 times 400 and you need to hit this specific pace with, the, you know, with this specific rest, then uh, there's value in that too. There's no question. Um, it's just less organic. It's, it's more like, you know, right on target, which is also good. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm contradicting myself a little bit, but I, I think we don't need to get so hung up on this idea that uh, every workout needs to be a perfectly executed thing at exactly the right paces and exactly the right wattage um, because it just doesn't. It needs to be in a range where we're applying a training stress to a certain energy system and and that's where it needs to be. Um, And ultimately, you're going to get a very similar response. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, you know, contradiction is good sometimes because I think it gives both sides of the argument and there's people who would say, you know, do it to the letter and then there's other people who say, you know, throw away the garment and just go out and train and, and go by feel. So I think it's like a combination of 
both and it's knowing when to push, when not to push and knowing that, you know, we're not robots, we're human beings and things are going to change and adapt and no race is going to be perfect. So, you know, the, the majority of workouts don't have to be perfect either. So I think we can yeah. put a full stop on that, but I think we've made, uh, made the point that uh, it's a mixture. It is. It, it's a mixture and both are good. Yeah. Both are good. The numbers in the Garmin files tell us really valuable information, but I, I always say they're just a tool. They're like a, they're a guidepost. They're like a signpost that kind of help us direct training a cer- in a certain way, but they're just a tool. Yeah. Um, and ultimately you need to have the flexibility in your mental state to uh, be nimble and adapt because if you're getting ready for racing, racing is rarely ever an exact thing unless you're doing like the hour record on a, on a track with no wind and you can very deliberately control your efforts. Um, you know, th- this is different than a race that has different dynamics and people making breaks and people, you know, it's just, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just a dynamic and it's good to be uh, nimble enough to respond to that and, and be competitive in the moment, like to actually just show up, uh, on the game stage and compete mm-hmm. and whatever comes your way you can adapt yeah yeah which is an interesting thought as well because um you know knowing a lot of the people listening will probably be like ironmans or they're getting ready for longer distance races which traditionally like if unless you're you know in the top few where you're actually racing the race a lot of it is based on putting out your you know most consistent best effort over the day and just kind of being in your own moment rather than worrying about about what's going on around you. Whereas if you think about, you know, if you're in a bike race where you can draft and you can have the advantage of being in a pack, um, but you still have to really monitor and measure your effort, um, that's, you know, to me, I'm kind of foreshadowing some thoughts around how I'm going to show up and compete because I have it in the back of my mind that, you know, this is going to be a solo effort um, Mm -hmm. for the day knowing that that could be the case. I might have to ride 141 miles on my own. But in reality, there's probably going to be times when I can ride in a group, which might save energy, but there might be these choices and these selections made where you have to go a bit above what you want to do um, to stay with that group, knowing that that's going to progress you further in Mm -hmm. that moment. So it's kind of a, you know, it's an interesting kind of thought about how to actually approach the event and the race itself. I, I totally agree. And it does depend on the event. Um, you know, I, you brought up Ironman and these longer distance events. Yeah. I mean, I, I firmly believe the best strategy in those is to really stick to your guns and, and, you know, manage your own effort in those moments. Uh, and so maybe not to respond, um, to people who fly by you at whatever pace they're going. Uh, the pro race is a little bit different because in, you know, somewhere like Hawaii, the world championships, you've got now, you know, large groups and they're, you know, they're spread apart by the drafting rules, but you still, you know, probably get a pretty significant benefit if you're as tight as you can while being legal. Um, you know, you're still getting a benefit. So are you then going to respond to any, you know, upticks in pace? Well, that's a different scenario. And likewise, with the event you have coming up, you may find that you're riding with other people and you may find you're doing a solo mission. And so, you know, we need to have two strategies in place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully by then you'll, you'll be in a confident enough place to make the right decision in the moment. Like, do I stay with these guys and maybe 
you know, some of the efforts are harder, but overall, you know, when it's easy, it's much easier. Or am I going to just, you know, do my own thing here? Yeah. And I don't know if I can answer that for you right now. Um, I think in the moment you'll know. Yeah. Well, I think um, this, yeah, and no, I, I, I definitely think it's probably going to develop over time. And I think the one thing that I kind of know about this event is there's going to be a lot of climbing. So in that respect, like, you know, as, as much as you might want to stay with a group, um, you're probably not going to be able to time after time. Like at some point you have to just get in your own rhythm uh, mm-hmm. to get over a climb or get up a climb and then and then kind of use use that. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to win this race, obviously. So, you know, I'm not going to be staying with the front group. So it's not a matter of holding on for dear life. It's probably a bit of, a bit of both, um, you know, finding your own rhythm when it's, when it's uphill, uh, and then kind of, you know, seeing if you can get together with a group to, to cover the additional distance if appropriate. Yeah, totally. That's probably how, how it will pan out. Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing that I did notice, they sent uh, an email out last week and they have, uh, like a feed zone. Um, but they hand, they do a bottle, uh, bottle feed or a hand up, um, bottle system for the top 100. So the goal is stay within the top 100 so you can get a bottle and you don't have to stop. So that's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's, uh, that's some good intel to know. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully 99 other people aren't way faster than me. Yeah, you'll you'll want to keep track of that early yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's one big thing. Um, now we talked about a bit of flexibility, and I'm just going to foreshadow for the next couple of weeks here. We uh, had on the schedule to go to Oregon to do the uh, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder event, which was a five day stage race. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I'm going to um, have to miss that one. But uh, as a very exciting update and change is um, of have your permission to do. Uh, what is called the Spirit Quest version two. Last summer, I did a, a ride in Ireland, three day ride. It was about 550 k's over three days um, from Galway, um, sorry, from Cork up to uh, Tubbacurry for my friend's wedding. And this year, I'm going to do three days from Boston uh, up to Maine. So, probably about 200 k's a day in what I'm calling, <clears throat> as I mentioned, Spirit Quest version two bikepacking trip, self supported. Uh, long days uh, in the sun, but uh, some time to get some good, good time in the saddle. So I'm excited to to do that one in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, I think it's a great substitute for what you had in place. And uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, now you know we're that that happens about eight weeks out of of your big event, and so that's a you know that's a nice timeline to get in some bigger volume days back to back. Um, and it sounds like it'll just be a really fun adventure too. So yep. yeah, you got my thumb on that one for sure. Amazing. Um, mate, this has been great. Is there anything else, um, standing out for you, uh, before we call it a day? I don't think so. I, I, uh, I think we've covered a lot and I, I love these calls are great, man. They're, they're super good. I, I think, uh, you're doing an awesome job and it's, it's actually really fun to just, kind of explore uh, some of these things that I'm sure uh, anybody who listens to this is has, is going through or has gone through or can relate to. So uh, I think these are uh, really valuable calls. Awesome. I appreciate getting the time with you and I love the fact that, you know, it's 
I have a, usually start with about five things that I want to talk about and we end up talking about way more than that and covering a whole bunch yeah. of stuff and hopefully it provides value to the people listening. It certainly provides value to me to be able to pick your brain um, on certain things. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm super appreciative of being able to have these and um, yeah, let's uh, let's maybe put some time in the calendar and uh, and catch up in a couple of weeks before I head off in the adventure, and um, we can we can catch up again. Perfect, let's do it. Awesome, mate. Well, uh, all the best, Jasper. We'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Sounds good. Keep up the uh, great work, Trav. You're doing awesome. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Okay. As mentioned, Jasper and I would love to hear from you. Please send your questions to stories at innervoice.life and we'll answer them on next week's show. Don't forget to follow along with my journey on Strava and social media. And remember, consistency is key. We look forward to bringing you the coaching call again next week. In the meantime, share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Your support means a lot. I'm Travis McKenzie and this is The Coaching Call, a part of the Inner Voice audio experience.